0: All right, well, wherever you're watching or listening around the world, I'm hoping my voice is going to hold out for this because uh, it's going to last for better or worse, if you know what I'm saying. So, I'm so thankful you're here. Who today would like a ring pop? Everyone, here we go. I'm like a clown at a parade. I just throw them everywhere. You just, uh, there we go. I got some at the back. I just broke all of our production and sound equipment. Oh, I just, I just left these guys hanging. Oh, oh, I just nailed her right in the head. I'm sorry. So the answer was yes, you will marry me, all of you. Now you know why I've given out ring pops. So we'll come back to this in a little bit, and I will say, enjoy it during the message. Uh, I am sucking on a cough drop because I have no voice. So if you would like a ring pop, you are good to go. So here's what we do to that stuff. We just go, Hey and it disappears. So uh, someone's going to fall over that. So thank you for hanging out with us. Sorry it's taking me a second to build up to it, but we're starting a brand new series, if you hadn't figured out, called For Better or Worse, and we're going to be talking about married couples. Now, as an expert on marriage, that I am not, uh, as in today, uh, I want to let you know what we are praying and hoping for throughout this series is we're going to have some different folks uh, in our Vine fam come and share Uh, About marriage. And we like to do this every year around this time of year because uh, Monday was Valentine's Day. If you didn't know that, uh, everything's 90% off, I think, wherever you are. So go pick up something so that way you're not in trouble for Valentine's Day. But as we go through this series, we want to have every marriage be set up for success. And without Jesus in it, it can't quite possibly be so. So, since I'm not a marriage expert, what I'm going to talk to us today about is literally this. In my best Tina Turner voice, what's love got to do with it? Can't do it. Yeah, see, everybody's singing it. I can't do it today. I wish I could. But that's what we're going to be talking about is what's love got to do with it? When it comes to for better or worse, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? So the reason that's so important is finding love can be hard, right? Like we're completely honest. Finding love is hard. It requires work. It, it takes time. As a matter of fact, no matter where you are, you don't have to be married to know that finding love is hard. Maybe, maybe you're in a season. Uh, parents, be honest, sometimes your kids just don't love you, do they? I mean, you know that. Hey, sometimes your fur babies do not love you, especially when you don't give them a pup cup or you don't give them any of your food like they just don't love you finding love is hard because it takes work but more importantly love requires something and since love requires something it's something that we can struggle with so where we're going to be today if you've got your bible as we're talking about what love got to do with it is we're going to be in the probably the most familiar passage that is quoted at many weddings uh, and is quoted all the time, and that's 1 Corinthians 13. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in a verse right before it in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But if you want to go ahead and get to your Bible, to 1 Corinthians 13, if you don't have a Bible, uh, our Vine production team's incredible. They'll make sure that it's on the screen wherever you're watching around the world. And hey, just really quick, uh, our Vine production team's worked really hard. We've been having streaming issues the past few weeks. Can we just say thank you? To them that the stream is working today, God is faithful. We're thankful for that. Uh, we're actually getting to stream live today, uh, and we're excited for that. But also, uh, what we also do is you can follow along in our app. And today's a great day to be in the app because we're just going to be dissecting some of the verses. And all you got to do is it's got what we're going to be talking about and a little equal sign, and you can take your own notes in there. So you can download the app today. Go to thevine.tv/app. It's going to ask for your phone number, shoot you a link, and you're going to get our free church app. And we don't track you or do anything like that. We just want your bank account info. That's all. We just need, we're not going to track you or anything. We just need gas money. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, for real, we're not going to do that. You can go to the vine.tv slash app and uh, follow along with us there. So, if you're with me, give me an amen. Go keep rolling. They took the ring pop out and said, Amen. God is faithful. We have fun at church. I love it. So we're in 1 Corinthians 13, the most familiar, familiar love passage. Uh, And I just want to tell you where Paul is writing this is he's in the middle of a family feud. All right, if you don't know anything about Corinthians, I'm going to give you a little homework. Read over 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 this week, next week, over these next few weeks in this series. Read over that. What's happening is the Corinthian church is divided. Now, that doesn't happen in our world, does it? They're divided. In chapter 10, they're divided over what to eat. What's godly food, what's ungodly food, okay? Chapter 11, they're worried about what they dress in. Like, who should wear what? Who shouldn't wear it? What does it look like? In chapter 12 and 14, they're arguing about what gift is the most important. So Paul is giving all of this instruction to the Corinthian church, and he goes from instruction in 10, 11, and 12, follows it back up in 14, and he stops in the dead center of that to write this poem. It's a letter of poetry. So, why are we talking about this in a wedding series? Because this should sound like a wedding, okay? Chapter 10, they're worried about what's good food to eat, what's godly and ungodly. If you've ever had a wedding, the first thing you're doing is sampling the food. You've got to figure out when you're serving it. Is it lunch? Is it dinner? Is it light snacks? Uh, are we going to hit roadkill on the way over there because it's so expensive and serve vittles? Like, what are you going to do? you Are going to fight over the food? Second thing you're going to fight over is the dress. What colors? What's the colors? Who's going to wear what? Why are they going to wear it? How many people are going to be there? How many things are going to happen? After that, you're going to fight about the gifts. Sometimes, sometimes... Uncle Jojo shouldn't be singing at the wedding, because it's not his gifting, right? you got to figure out what that is. got to figure out who the flower girl is. Is it going to be a flower dog? Is it going to be whatever? Like, you're fighting over the gifts. This is literally what a wedding looks like. And Paul stops in the middle of all of it and says, hey, 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 I want you to see what love's got to do with it. It's important. Because all these things are just little things that happen outside of it, but without love, none of it matters. Because in the Corinthian church, it was causing them to be ineffective. So if you've got your Bible, right there in 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to see half of a verse go up just a little bit. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, and let's see what Paul is talking about, why he stops his instruction and dives into what's love got to do with it. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Paul is saying, hey, we have to go and have this desire among us. We have to look for the most excellent way. When we find love, we will elevate ourselves to the most excellent way. The most excellent way. Because we live in a world that doesn't look at love the most excellent way, right? I know I gripe about it a lot, and I'm sorry. I'm so thankful for everyone who follows us on social media. But Uh, we live in a world where we think the one who yells the loudest will be the one who changes the minds the most, right? The greatest megaphone is the one who will change minds the most. Because most of the time, the loudest thing is what you follow. It just is. Like, people do that. For some reason, we think, oh, that's real loud. Let's go see. And, like, we just go off on a tangent and follow the loudest thing. But I just want to be honest with you. And I want to ask you a question, and this is what Paul is diving into when it comes the most excellent way, and it happens in your marriage too, or any relationship. Has yelling ever really changed anyone's mind? To be quite honest with you, it just makes them more ticked off, doesn't it? At least that's just me. I don't know. It makes me mad, and I used a good, nice word in church. I might have used a different word outside, right? just makes you more mad. It makes you more angry. It entrenches you more, and and that's the world we live in right now. We think that uh, in 180 characters or less, if I put all caps on something on Twitter that I like to call outrage, like if I do that, then I'm going to change someone's mind in church. We can't change the world's mind about Jesus by yelling the loudest. We can't. And Paul is saying, hey, if you really want to see something change, if you really love to see someone change, if you really are praying for change to happen in your relationship, in yourself, you've got to elevate your way to the most excellent way because only love will open the door for change. In your brain right now, you're hearing love will find a way. I know, go look at, uh, at music. I'm sorry, it's in my brain. love. Love. Love, not yelling. Love, love, love. Love opens the door for change. So the first thing Paul talks about when what's love got to do with it is this, the priority of love, the priority of love. Where is love in the priority of things? Because to be quite honest with you, if you're planning a wedding, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of love in it. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of fighting. And and even though I've not been married, I always like to talk with married couples before it happens to say, don't get lost in all that crap. And it's easy for me to say because I'm not doing it. Because you're paying for the big day. Like, you're you're mortgaging seven houses to go, <laughs> go in somebody else's place and clean up before and after. Like, you're going crazy a lot of times when it comes to weddings. But don't get lost in all that stuff. All those things, you're going to remember some things. You're not going to remember some things. There's going to be pictures that remind you of some things. The most important thing is where was love in it? Where was the priority of love in it? We said it last week, like... You can train your dog to say some vows. I know that sounds so bad, but you really can. Jesus isn't concerned about what you said at the beginning. It's how you lived it and how you finished it. And so when it comes to the priority of love, this is what Paul dives into. In verse 1, verse 1 through 3, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3, he says this. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Now, we talked to John 15, 5 last week. Jesus says, without him, we are nothing. This is the importance and the priority of love. Paul says this in verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing in the end when it comes to the priority of love paul says anything without love is worthless sounds crazy but it's for anything without worth he's saying hey you can literally have miracles like you could be slaying people in the spirit across stadiums without love it's worthless Without love, it is a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. You could literally take Scripture, break it down in the Hebrew, the Greek, the whatever. You could have all of these things, and it doesn't matter if there's no love in it. He's saying, hey, you can have prophecy. You can literally have a word from God, a revelation, speak it to the masses. If it doesn't have love, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, it's meaningless hope. It's a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, like the gong show. Like, think about that. That's what I always think of when I think of this. Like, all of a sudden, you can say, Jesus loves you. Like, it doesn't matter. People are ready for you to go on if you don't have that. But the one that breaks my heart the most is this, that verse 3. Because doesn't this sound like a good priority? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast— but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul's saying, you can be an extravagant giver. You can give all you have to something, but if it lacks love, it's absolutely going to give you and the person who receives it negative returns. So the priority of love is huge. But here's the thing. Paul's about to dive into this. That that sounds all negative and it sounds all crazy if if Everything without love is worthless. The opposite is true. If you sprinkle, if you put a little dash, a little sprinkle of love into something that's flawed, It will not have a negative return, but a positive return. It will actually bring hope to you and those around you. It will actually let others experience a miracle of something outside of themselves. Love is a priority. Love is important for each and every one of us because this is why Paul is diving into why love matters and why it has to be the main ingredient of what we're doing. Um, We've all been to a funeral of a loved quote-unquote one, right? In the end, what you do in love is what lasts. That's what you're going to be remembered by. When they roll you down in front of that church, or they have that that urn, or whatever that is, you're going to be remembered by what you did in love. You can have the most terrible person, if they had absentee of love, what somebody's going to remember is the one act of love they did when they're standing there. That's what love. Ma- that's why love matters. That's why it has to be the main ingredient to everything, the priority. And if your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with wherever you are in life, whether you're single, divorced, widowed, children, no children, your relationship not built on love will fall and it will fail. It can have all the best good intentions. It can have the best business plan. It can have the cleanest balance sheet. It will fail. it does not have love. So Paul is saying, hey, you can have the right diet in chapter 10, dress the right way, use your gifts perfectly. But if you ain't got love, it's worthless. So let's be people that sprinkle a little bit of love in. So Paul says, hey, I'm not just going to tell you how important love is. Let me tell you what the actions of love are. And this is what you hear at weddings all the time. Which, really quick side note, as we talk about the actions of love, this is why I want you to know where Paul is writing this. He's literally writing it in a family feud. This isn't a beautiful wedding poem. Like, it literally is your wedding, because somewhere in your wedding, there's a family feud. There's somebody PO'd about what you didn't do in the family, what you didn't wear, what you sneezed on, what you accidentally broke, what was forgotten on wedding day. Like, somebody's mad. So that's why this is important here. Like, this is wedding talk 101, 100%. So Paul says, hey, the priority of love, love has to be the foundation you're built on. The action of love are this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And we're going to get to verse 8 in a second. But the first sentence of that is, love never fails. Love never fails. So Paul talks about what the actions of love are. And see, as as we are here, we can get lost on this. Like, we have all these pauses, and how I read that had all of these phrases and, and in between and like these punctuation, but in the original Greek There is no punctuation. It just flows straight. These 16 descriptors, these actions of love, seven positive actions, seven things that love is, nine things that love does not do, all of these are strung together and like this terrible we would call run-on sentence like it just all goes together but it loses its meaning when we throw that punctuation you say why is punctuation in there well those who translated it threw it in there so that they knew somebody like me with a slow tongue who gets really excited so i could pause in between a little bit like they knew i would need that so the greek here has no punctuation so let's talk about this i'm not even gonna try to say the greek word okay So if you're in the Vine Church app or you're listening right now, this week, I've already given you one homework assignment. You'd be like, that's too much reading. You know me better than that. I ain't going to read all that. So here's your other assignment that you can go to. Go to BibleHub.com and look up uh, this. You can click on uh, a a verse, a chapter, and a verse. And on there, you're going to see the link is actually in the, the Vine Church app right now. So we've saved you that time. But if you're listening right now or you're right here in the house and you're not there, Um, you can click on first Corinthians 13 and you can go through all of these, uh, and there'll be something on there that says Strong's and it'll be the Strong's commentary. It'll give you the Greek words that are here, the original Greek words and what they mean. So I'm not going to try to explain them to you, but I am going to tell you what they mean. All right. If we could do that. So that's what I'm going to spend time doing. So if you'd like to go to biblehub.com this week, dear Lord, I hope I'm sending you the right website, but the link is in there. biblehub.com uh, this week, if you want to go there. It'll give you the actual Greek words, these actions of love. So the first one is, love is patient. It delays giving up, okay? Like, the Greek translation to that is, it delays giving up. And if you've ever been in a wedding, if you've ever been in a marriage, you gotta, you you can't give up. Like, it does you no good. If you plan the wedding, you get all the way there, everybody's dressed, everybody's ready. It only makes a good Hollywood movie, like, and, and you quit, all right? Like, it just, it's great for a Hollywood movie, it just leaves a lot of people PO'd if they showed up. And the bride or the groom doesn't when it comes to a real wedding. Like, patience, love is patient, it delays giving up. The second action is it's kind, it's kind. So, love delays giving up as patient, love is kind, so it puts goodness in in action. So it actually does something. It doesn't just sit back and say I love you. It actually puts that love to practice. It does something. So it's 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 patient and it's kind. It does not envy. In other words, it doesn't resent someone else's success doesn't envy someone else. It's not trying to run someone else's race. It's not trying to to be something it wasn't made or created to be. It does not resent others' success. It does not boast. It doesn't boast, which means it doesn't self-promote. It's not afraid if somebody else gets the limelight or center stage. And I know we talk about this a lot when it comes to Mother's Day, but that's the mom in most of, that's, that's the mother in most of our lives. Like, they're, they're sitting backstage while you're getting the limelight, and they're cheering you on. Like, they don't care who gets the second stage. Love, this priority of love, this love that Paul is talking about, it does not boast. It doesn't self-promote. It is not proud It isn't about its reputation. It doesn't blow up about how its name has been ran through the mud. Like, it is not proud. It does not dishonor. The Greek translation to that is it does not behave disgracefully. I know we joke about it, and I hear it, I actually even heard it as we were loading in a little bit last night. We joke around and say, hey, make good choices, right? We say that, right? They get choices as the kids go out and we send them out in the world. Because we don't want them disgracing us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I don't have kids, so I can say this. I I want them on their best behavior in everybody else's home. They can do whatever they want in mine, and we'll discipline them. We'll figure it out. But as long as they're not acting disgracefully everywhere else, I'm a happy camper. That's how you know I don't have kids. Save the emails. I don't care. But, like, I'm being real. Like, as long as they're not acting disgracefully at the neighbor's house, they can act disgracefully at mine. You know what I mean? Because I mean, I can control that environment, you know? I can't everywhere else in this social media world that we live in. So like, they don't act disgracefully. So it does not behave disgracefully. It is not self-seeking. In other words, it doesn't strive for selfish advantage. That's what it translates to in Greek. Is not self-seeking. And the translation there is does not strive for selfish advantage. In other words, it's not about itself. Uh, marriage, you want to see the number one failure in your marriage. Try to serve, make sure that you're the only one being served, and it's all about you, and I promise you, it'll fail. <laughs> it'll fail, 100%, because it can't sustain itself, because it ain't all about you, especially when it comes to marriage. Two become one. It's about both of you, and if you make it all about you, you're going to be on the way to divorce, uh, and, and it's going to be, you're going to show up on a TV show, and they're going to tell you whether you're the daddy or not. Like, really, it is. Like, it's going to be crazy. Like, It's going to be one of them things like don't make it all about you don't make it all about you that's what love is it's not self-seeking it is not easily angered it's not easy to be provoked to anger you know the, the people that know you most know what buttons to push right your spouse knows what buttons to push they just do And it'll come out of nowhere. Like, it can come out of nowhere. Like, you thought everything was going great, and you rolled up at that red light, and something from three weeks ago, that button just went in there. Like, maybe you're not married, and that's not it. And I want to tell you, I'm the youngest child. I know the buttons to push, by golly. Like, that's it. Like, usually the youngest child in the family knows the buttons to push. Like, you know which one to do. Like, you know what's going to set. Like, you just sit back. And you know when to light the match and watch it burn. Like, you just know. Like, real love does not do that. Love does not do that. It's not easily angered. It doesn't like that provocation happens. So in the Greek, it says it's not easy to provoke. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. The Greek translation, the, the, what that says is it doesn't always start or define by the worst. Like, it doesn't start with the worst of you. Love doesn't do that. It doesn't talk about your biggest flaw first and how much it hates you first and says, "But I put it in a love sandwich. I love how you do this, but I hate how you smile." Will you smile at me so I can love you? Like that's a love sandwich. That's not like what in the world? Like don't don't crappy stuff like that. It's saying, "Hey, don't don't start in with the most negative thing first. Real love doesn't do that. It really means what it's saying. It does not delight in evil." In other words, The Greek translation of that is it does not find joy in violating God's standards or sitting under his judgment. Does not delight in evil. So it does not find joy in violating God's standards or sitting under his judgment. In other words, stays within the guardrails of what God's design is. It rejoices in truth. Rejoices in the truth. It celebrates those that belong to God and live it out. Like, that's the literal Greek translation. We'll see what this is. That's what it is. Celebrates those that belong to God and live it out. It always protects. What that translates to in the Greek is it covers the errors and faults of others. Covers the errors and faults of others. So it always protects. It covers Always trust, always trust. So kind of like before when we talk about kept no records of wrong, what this means is it always has confidence in the goodness of others. It always trusts, always trusts, has confidence in the goodness. So in other words, when I say I like your smile, I mean I like your smile. I want to see your smile, even if you're missing some teeth. Like it is what it is. Like, you know, let's have some smile. You know, smile, it's good stuff. It always perseveres. It always perseveres. Excuse me, I missed one. See there? I missed one. Thank you. Always hopes. So it always trusts. It's confidence in the goodness of man. It always hopes. Always hopes. It's a refuge to wait for salvation with joy and full of confidence. This translates to, I know that's a mouthful, so here we go. It's a refuge to wait for salvation with joy and full of confidence. So it always hopes a refuge to wait for salvation with joy and full of confidence it always perseveres it always perseveres so the greek translation to that is to endure bear bravely and calmly so in other words it's, it's steady it always perseveres no matter what for better or worse and sickness and help those vows that you say like uh Always perseveres. The beginning of verse 8 says, Love never fails. It never fails. Really hard on this one. It never perishes. In other words, the Greek translation is, It never perishes. It says, Death loses its authority over. It. That's what Paul writes here. So, it never fails. So, death loses its authority over it when it's love. Death loses its authority over it when it's love. So it removes the power of death. Love, love, love does that. That is the action of love. This is what love is. So I did some teaching here, gave you some homework. You can go back this week, read that on Bible Hub, but we miss that. Um, <clears throat> we miss that when we we see all these commas, and we see all of these interpretations of what we think. But Paul says, hey, the priority of love is it has to be the most important thing. And when you have real love, this is how it is lived out. Now, the one thing I didn't talk about through there is the love that Paul writes is agape love. The Greek translation of this entire thing is agape love, unconditional, unmerited favor. Uh, Like, you've done nothing to earn this love that you can have. Like, You have to have this love, it's built on that, agape love, this is how it is lived out. Not feel-good love, not uh, I love french fries dipped in a, a, a frosty love, not macaroni and cheese love, not I love your dog, I love that dress love, like real agape love, not contractual love, covenantal love, like real agape love unmerited, unfavored, like you've done nothing to earn this love. All you can do is receive it. Agape love lives this out. And he goes on to say this in verse 8 through 11. But where there are prophecies, remember how we started in verse 1 with prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So Paul is saying, hey, anything you do, it has to be built on a foundation of love. It is the most important priority. And when you do that, you will live it out. And these, things, these are the ways in which it will be lived out and bore out in you. And the reason that that matters is because what you do in love lasts, right? We've said that. What you do in love lasts. And he says, well, how does this love play out in our life? Because what we see and what we're a part of is, is just but a breath, is just but a small part, a small blip on the radar of eternity. This isn't the completeness of what we're going to be. See, oftentimes we forget that we think we're bodies with a soul, but we're actually eternal souls that just happen to have this body that's going to fade. It is, it is temporary. It will let you down. It is going to stop. It is going to break down one day. You are going to break things in it multiple times. Like it is something that will fail you. And so Paul is saying, hey, when it comes to prophecies, when it comes to all of these gifts, when it comes to all this knowledge, when it comes to tongues being spoken, like all that's going to pass away, all of it. But love will not. And that's what Jesus came to do. He said, hey, I'm ushering in a kingdom that's not temporary like this world. I I came to give you a a place to belong, something to be a part of that will last forever. And so Paul goes on to say, hey, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, if everything's built on love What you do in love not only lasts, but it will transform you. It will change you. It will make you into something. It will require something. There is something about love that will change you because Jesus himself loves us enough just as we are, but he loves us enough to make us into who we were created to be, not to stay that way. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We'd be in heaven right now. But instead, he's molding and shaping us as he grows his kingdom. Verse 12 and 13. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I love how Paul, this is poetry. This is like, I don't know, I probably should have had a wig and like just, you know, locks of flowing hair, like could have had some good stuff with a mirror. But what's crazy is the mirror back then was like brushed bronze or brushed, or polished bronze or copper. Like, it wasn't a good mirror like we have now, like, you know, where you can get them nose hairs. Like, if you ain't helping somebody in your life with some nose hairs, you don't love them. I'm just going to be real. Like, once you cross that 30 plane, you I'm telling you right now, you just, you need some. So, uh, it is, you know, you got that. And then you get those those mirrors with the lights on them and you see, like, everything. You're like, why do I look so old? I don't want to look like this to the world. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. Well, the good part of what Paul was writing is it was all just blurry anyway. It really wasn't a mirror like we think of it. Like, it just wasn't a clear reflection. So Paul was saying, hey, what you see in this world isn't a clear reflection. It does reflect something, but it's not the fullness of what you were created for. It's not the fullness of the moment that you live in. Like, there's something more that you are looking for, and that is what we do with love, right? We go on a date. We get married. And if it was the fullness of just being married, is why we're in the relationship, it would stop at the wedding. You'd say your vows, exchange the rings, and everybody just go on to the house, go live your separate lives. But instead, there's something more to it there's fullness, there's something to be achieved, there's next steps to be taken. Paul is saying, hey, in this life of love, in this relationship, for better or worse, in what we are being built on, there's something more. This world is not the completeness of it. There is a fullness to come, and we know how it ends. That's Jesus, his kingdom being redeemed, the fullness of it. Paul says, hey, when we're in heaven, we're going to see him face to face, and that's when we'll know the real fullness in verse 13. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. And Alan Jackson, the prophet said, but the greatest of these is love, right? Alan Jackson isn't in there. Lord, don't send dumb, Sorry, Lord. I just messed your whole spirit moving. But verse 13, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. His love. So Paul is saying, with all of this that's going on, what's love got to do with it? It's the greatest thing. It's the thing we'll spend our whole life searching for. It's the thing that we'll try to find our whole life. We will hope that we get a ring from the right person. Right? Like, we will hope that. We will hope that we buy the right ring for the right person. We will hope that the job is the brass ring we chase. We will do everything we can to find love but Paul is saying it's about a greater love it's about a different love you see ah some good times share a little bit about me laughter and tears so here we go I will tell you you want to know the greatest love of my life it is not macaroni and cheese or banana pudding although I do miss it Uh, hopefully soon the greatest love of my life is locked in a fire safe right now and it was my blanket my security blanket, my B, that's why I told you I was Linus, like I carried that thing everywhere. It's locked in a fire safe because one day if I ever have kids, they're going to get to experience the security that I had in my security blanket. Like I would go everywhere with that thing, everywhere. I'm talking everywhere. Like, that is why I said I would be like Linus, and I would cover you in in the, the, the wonderfulness of that blanket. Like, that security blanket was it. It was the love of my life. Like, that was it. I love that thing, right? But then there came a moment where I realized, as a child, I had to let go of my childish ways. I was probably about, you know, 33 or 34. Last year sometime, I put it in there. I don't know. But either way, it was there. Like, that, secure, that love that I was looking for couldn't be found in that. You see, for us, that's what we'll do. We'll do everything we can. And I just want to be honest with you. If you think that your spouse is the fulfillment of love in your life, you're selling yourself short and them short. Because you can't give them this love that was talked about at your wedding. You can't. If it's not Jesus, you can't. If Jesus isn't in it, you absolutely can't because, see, here's the thing. The rings are great. The vows are great. The food is great. The dancing's great. The DJ's on point. Like, you got all that. Is what it is. All that can be great. But without Jesus, it will fail because here's the thing. My heart for you is I hope you find love. I do. I hope you find love. Love is hard to find. But my desire for you is I hope you let real love find you. Will you let real love find you? Not, not, not love that can be found in this world, but love that is found in a person, and that is Jesus. Will you let real love find you? Because if we just got a tiny inkling of just how much he loves us, we wouldn't be afraid of living the most excellent way. Because listen, listen, look at what love is. Love is. Agape love. Love is patient. It delays giving up. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? He never gave up on us. Love is kind. He puts goodness into action. He fulfilled the law that we couldn't fulfill to make us righteous. He did what we could not do. It does not envy he doesn't resent other success. He didn't go putting down the prophets before him. He said the prophets pointed to him. He doesn't care that that he's not trying to make us go around and be beat up just so that he gets the fame. No, no, no. We give him the fame because of what he's done for us, right? Like, we point to him. He doesn't resent other success. Other words, when Satan brought him to that mountain when he was tempted, he would have taken over all the kingdoms of the world. He does not boast. Jesus didn't self-promote. It says as he goes to, uh, in front of Pilate, in front of the Sanhedrin, he was a lamb being brought to the slaughter. He didn't even answer until they said, Who are you? And he kept saying these false accusations aren't it. And he said, I'm the Son of God. I'm He. I'm who I am. Who I am. Like I'm the one who is here. I'm the one who is the Messiah. I'm the one who God has chosen. He didn't do that throughout his life. He said, I'm here to do the will of the Father. It is not proud. He didn't walk around having his name like he didn't make the disciples go around like forming lines and make people get in lines for autographs, even though they try to. And he said, let the children come to me like it wasn't that right. Like he didn't have any of that. He didn't walk around. As a matter of fact, every time they tried to make him king, he retreated. Does not dishonor. He didn't behave disgracefully. And I will tell you, but by the grace of God, and Jesus working in me the many times I have behaved disgracefully, probably even today. But Jesus didn't. He didn't. He is the fulfillment of that. He is not self-seeking. He didn't go for selfish advantage. He only did the Father's will. He is not easily angered. He wasn't easy to provoke. He had zeal, yes, when he flipped the tables in the, in the temple. But why did he do that? Because people were desecrating the house of the Lord. Keeps no records of wrongs. Jesus doesn't start with our past failures or future mistakes. He starts with who he sees us being. He does not delight in evil. He doesn't find joy in us sitting in God's judgment or violating his standards. So he makes a way for us to live in it. He rejoices in the truth. He celebrates us belonging to God, being part of God's family. He celebrates us living out His Word. He always protects. He has covered our errors, our faults, our failures. He covers us. He always trusts. He has confidence in our goodness. In spite of us, whether we receive the free gift of salvation or not, He makes a way for us to receive it. He always hopes. In other words, He is a refuge to wait for salvation with joy. What I just said ties into that as well. Whether we receive Him or not, not, he still went to the cross. The beauty of Jesus is this. If I was the only sinner on earth and the rest of you were perfect, Jesus would have still came, still went to that cross, still died for me, still rose again on the third day because he loves me that much. And if he loves somebody like me that much, how much does he love you too? No matter what, he always hopes He always perseveres. He endures. He makes a way for us. He is there for us. He does not. He is always there for us. He endures. He is with us in all seasons. As we sing, the wind and waves know his name. They know him. Jesus never fails. He's taken away the power that death has on us and removed it. Love. Love jesus is love so wherever you are today i hope you let love find you and maybe today you've let love find you and you know who jesus is and you've received him will you let love find its way in your relationship in your marriage will you do that maybe you've never let love in before you've chased the things of this world to find love And you have never seen or experienced what this real love is that Jesus brings. And I just want to tell you, all you got to do is receive it. The most famous verse that we hear is John 3, 16 and 17 talks about this love that Christ has for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words... Jesus didn't come to put you down, he came to lift you up. All you can do is receive his word, receive his salvation. You don't have to earn it, you don't have to clean yourself up, you don't have to fulfill all of these things of love, you don't have to have the perfect relationship, the perfect life, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids, the perfect car. You don't have to have any of that. You just have to come before him confess and repent your sins, say that you are a sinner and freely receive this gift of salvation. And I'm telling you, you'll experience his love that will never fail. So the reason we do what we do each and every week is so that many will come to know him and experience this love for the first time. So with every head bow and every eye closed, we're gonna pray out loud this prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, would you please repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, <clears throat> I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live, die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you, step by step, the rest of my life, the best way I know how. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and for the first time you're in this house, you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to boldly respond on the count of three by raising your hand. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand if you're watching online? You may see a hand that's raised. If you're listening, there may not be a hand that's raised. You can reach out to us. You can comment on where you're listening. You can Reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or shoot us a text message at 864-580-6698. We want to celebrate this decision you've made, this receiving of this love. And for the rest of us, I just want us to be reminded of how faithful Jesus is that the answer to the question, what's love got to do with it, is it has each and every one of us we are what love has got to do with it because Jesus loved us enough that he came, lived, died, and rose again to make a way for us so that we no longer are stuck in sin, but we are set free to be who he created us to be, literally, to be fully human. And that's something that we can celebrate. So would you please stand and sing with us?
1: I call you maker, you give life an eternal spark, I call you healer, You you mend any broken heart, I call you faithful father, you finish everything you start, my soul was made to respond. You by a thousand names, and you deserve every single one. Giving me a million ways to be amazed at what you've done, and I am. servant you're the son of man you're the line of judah you're the reason you're the
0: All right. Well, I hope we had some fun in church today. We all got ring pops, so we know that we are loved. But no matter what, guys, if we're in Christ, we get to share his love. Like, we get to live those things out. And it'll take us a lifetime of being the fulfillment of 1 Corinthians 13. And then when we get to heaven, it's all going to be complete. How great is that? So, as we get to, to be a part of him perfecting that in us now, We're going to get to share it with those who are searching for it and then spend eternity with them in heaven. So make plans to join us next week. I promise you, hopefully my voice will be back or hopefully whoever God brings to speak is going to have their voice back and they're going to get to share about for better or worse and what that looks like in our life because today we learn what love's got to do with it. Next week, who knows? Have an awesome week and always remember the best is still yet to come.